Lord, saints. Oh, come on now. We can do better than that. Praise the Lord. I am all, I'm so glad to be in the house of God as always. It's a privilege that I don't take lightly. Um, even the opportunity to be up here and share the good news of God's word with God's people. I'm glad to know that there's somebody besides me that don't mind serving God. Amen. Praise God. That's reassuring to me. Amen. Nobody likes to be by themselves, right? (laughs) But if I got to serve him by myself, my mind is made up. Amen. Praise God. So we are going to begin. Now, I know for those of you real quick, uh, you had some material. You actually got a sneak peek at what is going to be at the end, the summary of this. So all that material that you have, it will be revisited, but it will be at the end. Now, the material that you receive today is what we are going to indulge in. And I don't, um, I foresee that we will pick up with uh, one of the last topics or the last points on next week, which is uh, wear the armor. So we will see how much we get through today. I try to manage my time a little bit better so I don't go over y'all's break time. Amen. (laughs) Fellowship, excuse me, fellowship time. (laughs) Amen. We are going, uh, we talked now, the the past few weeks, uh, we talked about uh, what was in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the reason why I wanted to indulge in that a little bit is because there's so much you can get out of just that one chapter when we talk about conquering your giants we see that you, you know you know the story you know the background about david and goliath and you know all the stuff that we hear and the different versions that we hear depending on what we're listening to uh but when we look in the scripture you see everything that transpired you see uh, how everything was set up and then you see how david arrived there he wasn't going looking for a fight but when david got there God ended up using him to deliver God's people. There was something interesting that I realized about, uh, you know, reading over it again. Saul, when he when when David came and says, hey, you know what? I'll go fight Goliath. Saul says, well, you're nothing but a youth. You're a young person. But then after he defeated Goliath, Saul didn't refer to him as a young boy no more. He called him a young man. Isn't that something? How God will elevate you to a certain point when you just allow him to use you. Everybody has to recognize when God is doing something, everybody will recognize what God is doing. And as long as God is getting the glory, it's all right. Amen? We just have to be mindful that when God does elevate us, we don't get beside ourselves and think that we're something that we're not. Indulging in this lesson... um, you see the introduction there. We're going to skip over that, and we're going to get into uh, chapter 1 here, or lesson 1, excuse me, uh, talking about the conqueror. So let's go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read, we're actually going to read verses uh, 35 through 39. I would like, this may be a little different and a little time-consuming, but I believe there's a method to all of this. So... When we go to these scriptures, I would like 
if there are any volunteers, I would like to have people volunteer to read when we have these scriptures. Is that all right with everybody? Can everybody hear me? They're having a party downstairs. So I'll make sure I speak up loud enough so everybody can hear. That's our young people down there getting ready, getting ready for the service. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Do we have anybody that is volunteering, willing to read? I got to give you the mic because it's going on the tape, so we don't want no dead space. Thank you, sir. Brother DeMuda, 35 through 39, please. Nothing will be able to separate us. A conqueror understands that in order to win in any battle, he or she must be willing to put forth an effort. If at first you don't succeed, what's the quote? Try and try again. Those who never make an effort will never achieve much. The challenges of life are inevitable, and it's impossible to be a conqueror unless you experience some type of opposition some challenge in your life. A conqueror must first go through the proving process. And this process may seem rigorous at first, but the end result will be extremely rewarding. A conqueror is not easily intimidated by the stature or the size of their opponent. Whenever the challenge is greater, the effort must be greater. A conqueror is a person who will not accept defeat or settle for anything less than triumph. Of course, this requires a great deal of preparation, strength, and endurance. Where do we get our strength from as children of God? Somebody told me that there's power in a name. Does anybody know that name? In order to gain the strength we need, we must be connected to Jesus Christ. Without him, we are powerless, we are defenseless, and we're useless against the challenges that we face in life. There's no way that we can overcome without him. Now, if you look in our society, you see there are a lot of people who are attempting to try to overcome in different ways. You know, people are pursuing different avenues in life to try to overcome the obstacles that they face in life but without jesus christ there is no real way of being successful in this life amen we need jesus christ we're simply we're fighting a losing battle without him our success completely is dependent upon establishing a relationship with the ultimate and undefeated conqueror that's jesus christ and this connection has to reach beyond casual mediocrity If we expect to conquer the obstacles, whether they are small or great in our lives. So we're going to look at just a few uh, ways to establish and build the connection to Jesus Christ. The first thing we're going to look at is remove 
the barrier. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2. And again, I'm just asking for a volunteer. I like when people interact. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Now, y'all hear, y'all see that, right? Because of sin, God will not even hear us if we're living in sin. Y'all, y'all see that, right? Because it's not just, it's not my words, it's what the scripture says, right? This is important to know. You know, if a lot of folks want God to move on their behalf, they want to do something, we, you know, it's okay to pray. But if I knowingly have sin in my life, I cannot expect God to hear my prayer. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, we talk about God does not hear a sinner's prayer. An unrepentant sinner has no desire to change. His prayers are pointless. Because of sin. Now, barriers are generally designed to prevent unauthorized access. There is a particular barrier in life that has two sides. Now, this is just my way of explaining this or expressing this. has two sides, outside and inside. That's the way I'm looking at it. You can only stand on one side at a time. So for those that think you can straddle the fence, in order to plant your feet, you've got to stand on one side or the other. On one side of the barrier, life is truly refreshing and fulfilling. This represents the outside of the barrier. And wouldn't you know it, this is the place where all the conquerors live. But there is a place on the inside of that barrier. And it appears to be fun and harmless at first. But over time, we find out that there is no real investment to living inside of this barrier. Ultimately, we are left feeling lonely, ashamed, and hopeless. And of course, the end result is death. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. You know, I've always said before, but, you know, a lot of us, when we go to work or we've worked a job, if we're retired now, we've worked a job. We worked to make a profit, did we not? We wanted to get something. It was an investment, was it not? Investment of our time to receive some type of gain, some type of profit. Now, if I live this life and I'm living in sin or I live the life that I live and the only thing I have to look forward to is death, that should tell me something. Something needs to change. If the only investment I get out of living this life is death, that means I need to change something because it's not a real investment. But many people choose to remain in that position because it provides them with a false sense of security. It's what's safer. They're convinced that it's either too risky or just not worth it to pursue anything else. 
Of course, this barrier is known as sin. It's amazing how sin can be so compelling. Okay. Maybe I'm the only one that's just battling the flesh and battling the things of this world. You, to tell, you know, especially when we talk to our young people, there's fun in sin. Stay with me now. I'm not advocating sin. But there's, there's fun in sin. But after a while, something is going to happen to where we start dealing with the reality and the consequence of sin. And that consequence is death. Sin is not, you know, I, I, as a kid I used to look at it as sin being a person. But this is what intrigued me. Before Satan lost his mind, where was sin? So this is what occurred to me. By virtue of what Satan did, by rebelling and rejecting the things of God, trying to exalt himself above God, that became what? sin so sin is not necessarily an ugly person walking around sin is what we do right that's why it's so important for us to this is just a side note but it's so important for us to look at the world and love the world just like god loves the world but not love the sin because sin is what we do when we look at sinners, we call them sinners because they are in what? Sin. Based upon what they are. Now we know that all is born into sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's the nature because of Adam and Eve. Thank you, Adam and Eve. They put us in the position we're in today. So for every one of us that's born... In this flesh, this is the nature that we have taken on automatically. Y'all remember last week, I think it was last week, I was talking about how stories are being written, your stories being written, and sometimes stuff is being passed on you before you even have a chance to write it. That's one of those examples right there. They wrote our story way back when. They already started the chapter for us. Y'all see what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure y'all with me now. You know. So, sin separates us from God. Nevertheless, there is hope. That's what's awesome about this whole thing. Everything that we do, there's hope in this. God manifested himself through the divine Savior, Jesus Christ, to pull us from inside of that barrier. His desire is for us is to free us so that we can walk in his liberty, joy, power, and everlasting presence. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I think about going to heaven, I get excited. 
But not just that. When I'm here on this earth and I think about being in the presence of God, it's something exciting for me. I consider it a privilege, God, that I can be in your presence here on this earth. I'm just a frail human being, but that you grant me the privilege and the opportunity to be in your presence. That means something. Our act of faith and obedience coupled with God's love, grace, and mercy will produce a life-changing experience that we will never regret. Can we go to Ephesians chapter 2? We're going to begin with verses 13, and we're going to read to verse 18. Any volunteers? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, ma'am. there because of Jesus Christ the wall the partition the barrier has been destroyed so we don't have to stand behind that barrier we don't have to accept that as our comfort spot we don't have to allow sin to hinder us from connecting with God because Jesus Christ already paved the way and made it so that we have access. I think that's awesome. So when we have an opportunity to come in the house of God and praise God, we've got something to thank God for. Every soul on this earth has something to thank God for. Because the word of God tells me that he died for the sins of the whole. So before I came into existence, Jesus already had my best interest in mind. He knew. The spirit of God already knew from day one that he was going to have to use this method to make sure that there were no more barriers. To separate his creation from him. And I thank God for that. Because I wouldn't have known no better. And I certainly can't save myself. Not on my own, not in my own power. But thank God for what he has provided. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. The next thing we're going to talk about, the next point, is reach the turning point. Reaching the turning point. Second Chronicles. And the mic is being passed. The reason why the mic is being passed is because we are on the air, not on the radio, literally. But uh, that would be awesome one day, huh? 
But we've got we've got folks that are listening to this on podcast, and for all those that tune in, God bless you. I always wanted to say that. Second <laughs> Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen. Any volunteers? Thank you, sir. If any of you have heard the message in the, uh, the closing message for the conference, I wasn't there, but I was able to go on live stream. Brother Bernard, he uh, brought out this same scripture. You know, if you, if you do, that I'll do. If my people which are called by my name What's the first requirement? Because everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the... Now, I have found nowhere. I've looked. I've looked. If I'm wrong, somebody can correct me. But I'm pretty sure there's nowhere in the Scripture where pride is a good thing. I haven't found it. I know we like to use the terms, you know, so proud of you, so on and so forth, you know. But I have found nowhere in the scripture where pride is a good thing. Every time the scripture talks about pride, it's about how not to be prideful, how God hates pride. Amen? Anybody look with me? This is Sunday school, so I'm just taking my time. I'll make sure everybody with me. I don't want to leave nobody. That's just your destination. Humble ourselves. It's easy, 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 easy. Look at who he's talking to. He's not even talking to the world. He's talking to his own people. So obviously they're in a predicament. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and do what? All right. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear you. Once again, talking about things that hinder us from connecting with God. We cannot be effective conquerors unless we're willing to get rid of dead weight. Hebrews, I believe, chapter 12, verse 1 says what? Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside Remember what I told y'all last week? I think it was last week. People trying to wear armor. Carrying weight they ain't supposed to carry. You can't run very fast if you got extra weight. No pun intended. But if you're a track, if you, if you run track, you know. Weight is a bad thing. The less weight you have, the faster you can go. The longer you can go. 
You know, the body, this is, again, this is just another little side note. But the body works harder every time you put more weight on it. It causes your heart to work that much harder. That's why doctors are so concerned when they talk to people about watching their weight and so on and so forth. Now, some people just got crazy with it. This ain't fitness no more. Some people just doing extra. But being healthy, being healthy don't mean being bony. I just want to put that disclaimer out there. (laughs) I can thank God too. (laughs) But being healthy because it's going to help your body function the way it's supposed to. You know, that's really important, even spiritually, taking care of ourselves. The Bible tells us that our bodies are what? I'm trying to bring this thing back, but man, that's, you know, you think about that. They took care of the temple in the Old Testament, did they not? Oh, man, God has some, some specific requirements. How the vessels were supposed to be kept up. The light wasn't supposed to go out. Any and everybody couldn't just come up in there. The sacrifices had to be done a certain way. There were specific requirements that God had. You come up in there with the wrong animal if you want to. But it's no different then. Our bodies are the temple of God. So the same way we took care of the temple in the Old Testament is the same way God expects us to take care of this temple. Oh, that may mean we have to do a little sacrifice, but it's okay. Y'all could all right, we're gonna move on. <laughs> we cannot be effective conquerors unless we're willing to get rid of dead, dead weight. In other words, we must be willing to deny and crucify our old man. The old man represents our old nature, habits, and desires that are directly connected to sin. The death of our old man is the turning point by which we begin our new our journey. Uh, or begin a new journey of triumph. The turning point begins with repentance. Repentance is the initial act of obedience in the ministry of reconciliation to God. It means to turn away from sin while turning, turn away from sin while turning toward God in heart, mind, and soul. And when a person genuinely repents, God applies his forgiveness to their lives. And the power of God's forgiveness, it doesn't just reside in the fact that God pardons uh, us for our transgressions, but he makes them non-existent in his presence. Now that, to me, is awesome. Clean slate. Uh, There was a scripture that I had. I can't remember where it's at. I thought it was in Jeremiah. Y'all forgive me for a second. I really wanted to go to that scripture. It's the scripture that talks about, it says he'll forgive them and he'll remember their sins no more. But I can't remember where it's at. probably find it.
Okay. Jeremiah chapter 31. It is in that scripture. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. And I'll read that one. I got some other scriptures here to try to get to. He says, they'll teach, they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Why? For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. He says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin. God of justice, God of righteousness, God of holiness. His expectations don't change. But when we come before him and our rags and all the filth of sin, God not only delivers us from those, if we're willing to turn away from them, but he washes them away to the point where he covers it under the blood. So to me, I correlate that to like being in debt. I got debt, you know, it's just credit card, you know, debt, everything. Now I don't have enough money to pay it all off. But then all the creditors call me and everybody comes and says, hey, you know what? The debt has been created. I'm facing a sentence to go to jail, maybe for something I didn't do. And they say, hey, you know what? We're going to drop all the charges. That's in essence what's, what's happening. Not only are we going to drop the charges, but they're not going to be on the record. So when they go to look you and do a background check, it's not going to be there. But you know, there's always one to accuse. You, ever, you know, you ever make your mind up. You trying to serve God, or you want to? You at that turning point where you just say, "Lord, my mind is made up. I want to do this." You know, those of us been doing this for a little while. It's always one that want to come and try to remind you of what you used to be. What you, you know, try to make you feel bad about the change of your life. Now you want to act all spiritual. You want to act all church-like now. This ain't no act. Everything I am is because of what God has actually done. The power of God is moving in my life. They need to know that. Maybe they're looking for the same thing. It's necessary for him to remove those things, make it non-existent, because if our sin remains before him, they will continue to exist as a disconnection, a separation, a hideous barrier between us and God. Now, our carnal remorse is not enough to cause us a true change in direction in our lives. It's the love, grace, and mercy of God that continuously works on our behalf. The truth of God's word produces conviction within our hearts. Now, some people can confuse conviction and condemnation. 
Conviction is the exposure of our sins and their influences along with the compelling revelation of our need for salvation. Is that too much? It's, it's a revelation that God grants to us. Allows us to see sin for what it is. We have to decide to obey God's word, embrace his love, and take advantage of his mercy and grace. It is God that leads us to that turning point. He opens our eyes so that we can recognize and experience the grief and sorrow he feels towards us in that sinful condition. And he reveals to us, again, the repulsiveness of sin. If we allow his spirit to influence our lives, God will enable us to turn our attention and focus toward him through faith. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says, What? Looking unto Jesus, who is the author. It begins with him, and it is good news, too. I said it a couple weeks ago. We have the one book that tells us from the beginning. It's amazing. Now, I know every event is not captured in that book. But you have enough information to know what the beginning was. In the beginning, what? Okay, so we know that's the beginning. And in the end, we're going to be with who? If we live right. That's the hope. It is the love of God that leads us to true repentance. You know that scripture says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee? It draws us with his love. That's why it's so important when we, we handle folks coming in from the street, coming in from the world. Making sure we not just, you know, well, you better put on a dress and you better take off that jewelry and take off that makeup and you need to look the part. Now, it's the truth. But what good is it for them to just look the part and they don't have it in their hearts? So in essence, they are looking apart. Scripture says having a form... want to make sure that folks actually connect with him first. Because when God gets a hold of you, if you're really sincere about serving God, God gets a hold of you, he's going to bring you to the point where he wants you to be. He's going to perfect us. And when God does it, it'll stick a whole lot longer than if we're trying to do it ourselves. When we go through this true repentance, we begin our journey as conquerors through the ministry of reconciliation in Christ Jesus. i got to move on to the next point. Bury the corpse. Everybody say bury the corpse. I, I, yeah, I know that word was a little strong, but I, that's what I felt to put on there. So bury the corpse because it's a strong message. Once the old man is dead, it's only proper to conduct... A burial ceremony. It is through water baptism that we experience this burial. Now, I know this is fundamental for us. Most of us in here, 
If not all of us have been baptized already, we've been we've received the Holy Ghost, we've been living this thing for a while. But I'm just I'm just going through laying the, laying the groundwork. It is through water baptism that we experience this burial. Water baptism is a symbolic ceremony that associates our immersion in water with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6. <laughs> Volunteers, please. Brother Dan. The price is right. Come on down. <laughs> Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Get down to verse 14. Remember, I told you I was God's grace and mercy, right? And maybe most of you knew this. I just I thought this was interesting information, so I plugged it in. There. But biologically, when a person dies, their body begins to decompose instantaneously. One of the things I learned from it is not necessarily in my notes, but we talked about when the body, you know, when the person first dies, the part of the body that's closest to the ground, the blood settles there. And it causes a discoloration in the rest of the skin, on the, you know, on the surface. The heart stops pumping blood immediately, and so it just sits, and, and then the body starts to break down, like just instantly. The decomposition process occurs four times faster above ground than when the body is buried, traditionally six feet under, or six feet underground. It's two times faster, I believe, above water. If it's in water, it's two times slower. An exposed corpse can have 150,000 maggots within a few days. Yes. Anybody... Thank you, Sister Bell. <laughs> Anybody seen a dead cat, dead dog? Just been laying out there, any dead animal? Yeah. Other insects and animals may speed up the decomposition process. In approximately one month, the main cavities of the body will burst open and the tissues will become liquefied. Now, I painted that picture on purpose. What do you think of that? Oh, I'm, I'm actually asking. Anybody, is it, is it actually like, you know, 
Now, I don't think we have any morticians or anything in here, but. <laughs> Is there anybody that thinks, man, I, you know, I like seeing stuff like that? <laughs> Most people in their right mind, they don't want to see that, right? So it's, un it's an undesirable picture, excuse me, of a once living person. So then we understand that the custom of burying the corpse along with chemical enhancements is proven to be extremely necessary. When we correlate this information to the symbolism of water baptism, the need to bury the old man becomes evident. The death and burial of the old man signifies the simultaneous closure of the former part of our lives and the birth of a whole new life. But if the corpse of our old man is left exposed, God cannot ignore its repulsive condition and the unfinished work of reconciliation. Until we bury the corpse, it will always remind us of who and what we once were, a sinner. Eventually, we'll be overcome by confusion and condemnation, never advancing towards God. The exposure of the old man's body is a representation of lingering sin in our lives must be willing to bury the corpse of that old man to ensure that neither we nor anyone else will be affected or infected by its remnants. Got to get rid of it. Got to bury that corpse. Jesus stated in John chapter 3 verse 5, he says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Obviously we know that he is referring to water baptism and spirit baptism amen it is essential to our salvation to have water baptism jesus christ set the example and began fulfilling righteousness by receiving water baptism himself didn't he so since jesus is the ultimate and undefeated conqueror as we stated earlier it would be in our best interest to follow his example through water baptism, the corpse of the old man is buried. The memory and contamination of our sins are washed away. And we are granted the privilege of walking in the newness of life in God through Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We may get through all of this. We might. I'm trying. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Any, any volunteers? New volunteers. Repeat. Thank you, Pastor.
wonder, okay. <laughs> For those who were listening on the, on the air, we were reading the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor. Be reconciled to God. How many know that there's no such thing? If, if you, okay, you in the world, before you get saved, you're, you're classified as what? So if you're in the church body, been baptized in Jesus' name, been baptized by his spirit, you've repented, you're living holy, what are you? Saint, Christian, right? You are a new creature. Now, I specify this for a reason. You can't be a Christian and a saint at the same time. I figured people were going to get quiet. If you are living, if God baptizes you with his spirit, it's a new birth, right? When you go through water baptism and the baptism of the spirit. So you're no longer, then we just talk about God wipes all that away. Makes you a new creature, right? You become a child of God. I believe it's in the book of Acts. Talks about to them that believe, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now you can't be a son of God and a sinner at the same time. In other words, you're no longer a sinner, You're a child of God. A sinner sins. A child of God doesn't. You got to be one or the other. Stop carrying titles that don't belong to you. All right. I know y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's the truth. If you're born into Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a New creature. Old things no longer exist. Everything becomes new. Now, yes, we recognize that he saved us from the state that we were in, but that is no longer our identity. So we don't need to carry that ID card anymore. Are y'all with me? This this is some of the reasons why people just regress. This is why some people use that same excuse. Well, nobody can be perfect. Why not? What did he command? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, right? It, ain't, it doesn't mean I'm not going to step on your shoes by accident. Maybe scuff them up a little bit. That's an accident. That's a mistake. But what God is talking about, we're talking about perfection, is being separated from sin. And it is possible to live this life without sinning. Jesus did it, did he not? And he gave us the power to do it too, did he not? All right, we, I'm not, see, we ain't even get into that part yet. But we don't have to sit there and claim the title of being a sinner anymore. God has saved us. He's changed us. So you can throw that ID card away. Amen? According to the scriptures, and I'm going to get back to this now, Jesus instructed us to baptize in 
How many names? <laughs> oh, yes. One name. Y'all thought I was crazy for a second there. That's all right. I can deal with it. The only thing I intend to give you is what the Word of God says. I'm just expounding based on what God has given me. But I can tell you right now, I go to the Word of God. That's the one true source. That's the, one, that's the only thing I need in this life. That's the only thing we need to make it. Amen? It's all in the Word of God. Matthew 28 19, I love it. There's a lot of debate about this. People have all these functions and sit there for hours talking about. I heard one preacher, and this, this was disappointing, actually. But I heard one preacher say, and they believe in baptism in Jesus' name. But they made the comment, and I had to shut it off right there. Does it matter what they say when you're going down underwater because you can't hear what they're saying anyway? Does it take away from, well, I'm sorry, but if you baptizing me and you're going to baptize me and I'm underwater and you're talking about baptizing the name of Lucifer, we got a problem. I'm trying to get away from that joker. So, I beg to differ, it does matter. Look in the scriptures. The ones that baptized were the ones that were called to do so. The examples that we see, it, was somebody, it wasn't just some random person coming along trying to baptize somebody. Look in the scriptures. You don't have to take my word for it. But look in here, Matthew 28. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm so sorry. Five minutes passed. I lost track of time. Okay. Ah. I tried. Okay. We're going we to have to pick up. I thought I was doing good, too. We're going to have to pick up next week. I'm so sorry. God bless you. In Jesus' name, let's go ahead and take our fellowship time and be ready for the service at 1030. God bless you. I'm sorry, Pastor.